Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Welcome in. We're underway with our Tuesday program. Glad to have you with us here on the Big X. And a reminder, if you missed the live show at 11 o'clock, you can always find us as a podcast. We're available uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and you'll find us there. Let's get into a busy show today. The show lineup for this Tuesday program, a service of Honeybaked Tam in New Albany. Segment one, we've got lots of news and notes of the day to cover. A lot of teams... Uh, it seems right now are either overseas or in Puerto Rico or getting ready to go to Puerto Rico. And a local connection, Cooper Jacoby, is in Puerto Rico right now with Toledo. Ohio State just wrapped up a trip in the Bahamas. And I think Kentucky later this week gets uh, a two- or three-game tour underway uh, in the Bahamas as well. So a little bit on some of the, I guess you call them foreign tours, even if they're still in the continental uh, United States like Puerto Rico. But nonetheless, a lot of those going on right now. And so the opportunity to kind of get a little insight on some teams and we'll take a look at uh, some of that action here in just a moment. Also, later in the show today, uh, it's Tuesday, so Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier will join. He's always our staple IU guest on Tuesdays. We'll talk IU basketball and football. And then later in the hour, uh, we'll continue our preview of local high school football teams. David Pappenhaus, the head coach at Silver Creek, he will join our program today for a preview of the Dragons. They have been one of the best in the area for the last few seasons under Coach Papp's leadership, uh, but I know the Dragons lost a lot, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they're like this season, and they open up here a week from Friday with a big game, the Battle of Highway 403 against Charlestown. So uh, David Pappenhaus with us later in the hour today, and that's the show lineup, a service of Honeybaked Tam in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals that are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honeybaked Tam in New Albany. My daily reminder, you can send in your questions and comments and input on the show. Uh, real simple, it's the Thornton's text line, and the number is 502-414-1450. Again, pull your phone out, put this in, 502 502- 414-1450. A lot of what you send in is what I use to uh, prepare for shows and ask guests questions and uh, want to make sure that your thoughts are uh, making it on the airwaves here in the off season. So send them in. And it's Summer Cash Bash at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000 all summer with a grand prize of a 2022 Chevrolet Tahoe. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app and click on the Summer Cash Bash icon to enter. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, and many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. 
if you're not a member, a Refreshing Rewards member, that's no problem. You can send rewards to the number 80313 today. Again, the word rewards, you can text it to 80313 today. Let's get into some headlines uh, for this Tuesday program. I mentioned a lot of teams with uh, foreign trips uh, underway or coming up here this week. It's that time of year. And I think back to last year, how fun it was to follow uh, first-year coach Mike Woodson. There were so many questions around the team and the coaching staff and that uh, two-game, three-game trip, whatever it was, to Bahamas. Uh, It wasn't televised. It wasn't on the radio. But it just gave a lot of content off uh, where you got to know a little bit about what was going on with the program. So I wish teams could take those every year in the offseason. I think it would be very uh, interesting for fans. But obviously, there are NCAA rules that limit how often you can do stuff like that. Ohio State took a two-game trip over to Puerto Rico that wrapped up yesterday, and the uh, Buckeyes finished the trip 2-0 with a win over a team from Egypt and then also a win over the Puerto Rican national team as well. So uh, by all accounts, Ohio State, a lot of pieces to figure out, uh, but some talent on the roster, and the Buckeyes, I think, will be a competitor in the Big Ten this year under Coach Chris Holtman, but they finished their Puerto Rican trip 2 and 0 on the summer. And I have noticed, you know, back in the day when Indiana or other schools uh did these trips, I even think back to the IU trip to Montreal and in, in Canada, um the, it was more than just a couple games. It seemed like it was, you know, four, five, six games some of these tours were. Of course, years ago they used to really be all overseas tours. I mean, you know, going to Spain and Germany and places like that. And those those still happen. I've seen a couple of those. Wisconsin, I think, is either in route or getting ready to go to France uh, for a European tour. So, But a lot of them are shorter. A lot of them are, are shorter in the number of games and shorter in the distance uh, traveled as well. But Ohio State looked good, from what we could tell, uh, over in Puerto Rico the last few days. And kind of a local note over in Puerto Rico – Cooper Jacoby, former former Silver Creek star, uh, who's getting ready for his sophomore season with the Rockets. Uh, He had 12 points in uh, Puerto Rico's first win uh, over, I should say in Toledo's first win over in Puerto Rico uh, here yesterday. So uh, Cooper Jacoby looking good uh, for the uh, Rockets, and I'm sure uh, will be in their rotation after having a, a solid freshman year. Will definitely be even more so in the rotation as he enters his sophomore season. And, and Kentucky, they head to Puerto Rico, uh, or excuse me, to the Bahamas later in the week. So if you're uh, wanting to watch some college hoops uh, of some sort, I know the UK games will be, I believe, on the SEC network. I wish more of the Big Ten teams had their games televised. Remember a year ago, Indiana's games, you couldn't find them anywhere. And media that were was in attendance could only stream, I think, or record up to two minutes uh, from a game uh, and and publish it. So really, you, you don't get to see a lot. I haven't seen anything on Wisconsin's uh, games over in France. I don't think they're going to be on television. Uh, but some summer basketball, and the tours are fun. And uh, we'll see what we can find out about uh, the games that have been played. Ohio State just finished. Wisconsin getting ready to start. Also, a recruiting note for IU. It's been a rough week and a half or so 
with commitments and just uh, updates to recruitments where maybe Indiana is no longer being considered. And that seems to be the case with T.J. Power. Uh, Indiana at one time was mentioned in lockstep with his name, it seemed, uh, but he has eliminated Indiana from his list when he announced his final five schools, which are Duke, Virginia, North Carolina, Boston College, and Iowa. Uh, for the Massachusetts products. So uh, Indiana, again, once was very much in there. Uh, of course, Indiana also missed out on Jamie Kaiser from Virginia on Sunday. He committed to Maryland over the Hoosiers and a few other schools. And there have been just some rumblings that Indiana's not clicking with a couple of the 2023 prospects. Uh, again, Indiana got a very early start in that class and has two really solid commitments uh, in the class of seniors in high school now. Uh, but, you know, Indiana, I'm sure, wants to add at least one more player, possibly two. And so it is going to be interesting to see how things uh, go between now and really the start of high school basketball. That's a big window for commitments. There's always the chance of late changes when coaches leave and uh, some guys that will hold out and, and make decisions late. So recruiting in this world today, as, as I discussed some yesterday, it's never really over with. Uh, but Indiana has run into some roadblocks with some of the guys that they have invested a lot of time with and uh, watched along the July Trail and even had on campus, a couple of them as recently as uh, the last two weeks or so. So um, recruiting is crazy, and it's going to be interesting to see where Indiana turns from here uh, in the 2023 class. Again, I'll mention this name as I did yesterday, Arrington Page. He seems to be the name in the 2023 class that is sticking with Indiana, that his name uh, often comes up surrounding Indiana. And I think a lot of thought that maybe if Indiana is going to get one of these guys, that, that he will be that guy from the, the 2023 class. So keep an eye on Arrington Page and no word yet on when his decision or, or finalist or anything like that's going to happen. But he does seem to really like Indiana and vice versa. So uh, that's a couple recruiting notes to mention here today as well. Also, I found this really interesting, um, you know, TV rights, TV money. It dictates so much about college sports these days, specifically college football and also college basketball as well. And, you know, the Big Ten and the SEC, there's a lot of movement going on right now. There's a lot of rumors going on. It seems like we're trending to at least two super conferences. What happens with the Big 12 and the Pac-12? Do they form some kind of merger or combine to become maybe a third and maybe a little less? But I think they would be considered a super conference. So a lot of things out there that could play out over the next six months, year, maybe a couple of years. What does Notre Dame do? How soon does Notre Dame make a decision? Well, I think one of the really interesting things to watch in the conference movement right now is television rights, as I started off saying. And the Big Ten has been connected with ESPN uh, and their family of networks, which includes ABC and others, for so very long. I think I saw on a story yesterday from uh, Yahoo Sports, maybe back to like the early 80s, the Big Ten has had a pretty serious relationship uh, with the ESPN networks. Well, According to a report from Sam, Sam Cooper of Yahoo Sports, it looks like the Big Ten is very close to locking in a new media rights deal that would not be uh, include ESPN. Actually, it was Sports Business Journal that had this report. But uh, SBJ reported last night that, quote, barring a last-minute change of direction, uh, end quote, in negotiations with ESPN, the Big Ten's deal is expected to include three media entities, Fox, who they currently have an agreement with, CBS, 
and NBC. And it's been some time since Big Ten uh, football, basketball have been on NBC. Uh, Fox has a 60% stake in the Big Ten network, so they're obviously uh, well locked in with the Big Ten conference. When you think about the future of the conference and television rights and a national audience, Fox is always going to be in the conversation for the foreseeable future with the Big Ten. But CBS and specifically NBC are really different uh, for this conference and for television rights. And so does that help affect Notre Dame? Does that spur them quicker to a decision if the Big Ten is able to lock up what appears to be a really big-time television deal compared to maybe what other conferences could get? I think that's going to be interesting to see. So um, I know it's TV rights. It's not as exciting to talk about as the upcoming season or the next football game, the first football game for the Hoosiers. But I do think that some of this stuff will really help determine maybe what's next in the race for Super Conference and what seems to be a big race right now between a Super Big Ten uh, and the Super SEC. So TV rights, the name of the game, it's the number one financial source for these conferences and universities. And just from the early reports out there, the Big Ten could be on the verge, what looks like, of a unbelievable television agreement uh, for their conference. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that as well. Also, over the weekend, a couple people asked me about this. I didn't have any results or thing in, things in front of me to pass along yesterday, but the Battle of the Bridges over at uh, Mid-America Sports Center in Louisville, it's always kind of a, a good end to the summer and a start of the back-to-school season. Uh, basketball, obviously, at the high school level is still some months away, but uh, there's games all day, the younger age groups, uh, Indiana versus Kentucky, primarily Southern Indiana versus Metro Louisville, uh, the best of the best gathered uh, regardless of their high school or their AAU team. And the girls game, Indiana uh, lost that game. It was the uh, the senior game, 57-37 uh, in that girls contest. Journey Howard of New Albany was named most valuable player in defeat for the Southern Indiana team. She had nine points. And then on the boys' side, Kentucky hammered Indiana as well. Uh, the final score, 97-74. Again, that's the, the game of primarily players that are going to be seniors for this upcoming season. Leading the way for the New Albany, for the uh, uh, Indiana entry in the boys' loss was Justin Carter of New Albany. He was the MVP in defeat with 19 points. The other player in double figures was Tevi Ali of Floyd Central. He finished with 11 points as well. So uh, all, people always kind of curious how that game goes and who the big performers were and what you can glean from those performances about the upcoming season. So uh, there you go, Carter with 19 uh, to lead uh, Indiana, lead the Indiana team in a loss there at the Battle of the Bridges. That's a look at our headlines for this Tuesday edition of the program. Still ahead, Mike Schumann will join. He's with the Daily Hoosier. We'll catch up on the latest with IU basketball and football. And still ahead, our preview of high school football teams continues today with David Pappenhaus, the head coach of Silver Creek, here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for... All the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. 
We're back on this Tuesday program. The Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you've got a question on IU football or basketball, now would be a great time to send that in because Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier is with us in this segment, as he is every Tuesday. You can read Mike's work at thedailyhoosier.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at daily underscore Hoosier. Mike, I'm a little envious. Kentucky getting ready to begin their Bahamas tour later this week. And those games, I I think, are going to be on the SEC Network. And then uh, Ohio State just finished up a two-game trip to Puerto Rico. And I believe uh, Wisconsin is headed over to France. So uh, I love these these tours. I wish all the games were available for uh, some summer hoops viewing. Unfortunately, they're not. But wish Indiana could take one of these every couple years instead of, what, every four or five years per NCAA rules. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I guess college basketball is changing by the minute, so maybe, maybe one day foreign tours will become a annual thing for for everybody. I think I think right now it's only every four years that you can do it, so we won't we won't be able to have August basketball for for a while again. But yeah, we were we were definitely spoiled last year, and that, that was a lot of fun to to go down there and and get a look at Mike Woodson and his program before they kind of really officially got started. I hate to bring this up. I was talking with the Kentucky guys, at least that's what I call them, that do a show here earlier in the day uh, on the Big X. And um, I I believe that they're correct, that the games are going to be, the Kentucky games are going to be on the SEC network. Uh, And uh, uh, Mr. Leach, the play Tom Leach, the play-by-play voice of the Wildcats, is going to be at the games, and they're going to broadcast them just like they would a regular season game. I think Indiana at least had radio coverage when they went to Canada under Tom Crean. But again, going back to last season, I know a lot of fans wish those games would have been broadcast and would have been on the radio as well. And it seems like Kentucky is going to be able to get that done. Yeah, I definitely wondered that at the time last year, like why you know the Big Ten Network didn't get involved, why there wasn't some sort of push to to have coverage because I'm sure it would have been really well received. You know, there's always you know business and contractual aspects of it that you know we all may not understand that that may play a part, but it's it would have seemed like in August when you know sports are kind of naturally slow anyway that that would have been a big draw and a natural thing for for the Big Ten Network to pursue, but it, it didn't happen. So I, I guess we can say maybe next time. Yeah, for sure. Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, my guest. Mike, uh, John Rothstein is a national college basketball guy that I follow and, and enjoy his content. And I know you, you wrote a story kind of recapping his thoughts on the Big Ten. He published his Big Ten offseason breakdown yesterday. And I think as expected, and as more of these preseason rankings and publications come out in, in the coming months, uh, we're going to see Indiana front and center. And uh, John had Indiana as number one in the Big Ten offseason power rankings. He projects their starting five to be Xavier Johnson, Jalen hood Shafino, Miller Cop, Race Thompson, and, of course, Trace Jackson Davis. But uh, Rothstein, like so many others, uh, very high on Indiana. And I think as we inch closer and closer to the season, there's no reason to think that's going to change. Indiana's going to enter this season with a lot of high expectations. Yeah, and, you know, it's always interesting talking to, to IU fans about seasons like this. I think the last time maybe expectations were high and proved to be 
uh, inappropriately high was the, the Romeo Langford freshman season, but um, they're, they're as high as they have been probably going back to 2016-17 this time around with, with most people saying that they are the favorite in the Big Ten or at least one of the top you know, two or three teams for sure. I haven't seen anyone put them outside of the top three. And it's funny talking to people because, you know, some people expect that they're happy with that. Others are uncomfortable with it. You, you get a lot of, you know, who cares? You actually have to play the game. So, um, you know, a, a long recent history, at least the last 20 years or so of, of a lot of frustration for Indiana fans, I think makes, makes people a little bit uncomfortable with being in this spot. You know, people are tired of, of hype. They're tired of talk, um, and, and they want to see results on the floor. So that's where we're at. But, I, you know, people are definitely going to have to get used to this. You know, I think Rothstein's publication was the first of what will be probably dozens over the next three months that all put Indiana right in that, you know, that top group or at the top. And so it's, it's going to be a season of high expectations, and now we'll just have to see if they can deliver. Absolutely. Mike Schumann is my guest. Mike, I thought it was interesting that uh, he had Purdue, John Rothstein did at number two in his projection of the uh, Big Ten teams here in the offseason. Yeah, had the exact same reaction. I kind of did, did a double take when I saw them. I mean, I certainly understand the sentiment. I, I learned a long time ago to, to not doubt what Matt Painter is capable of, and I suspect if you if you look back at at some of their best seasons, it was seasons like this one where they entered with not a lot of expectations. At least in, in some cases, I think he he does a really good job of building a team around you know his his style, his culture, the way he wants to play, and so sometimes. You know, similar to Wisconsin, you know, that sometimes even though they they may not have the, the biggest name players, they, they've got players that fit the way they want to play. And I think a lot of people look at them with, with like a, a Zach Eady in the post and some potential shooters are around him that, that, that it can still work, even though they lost a ton of production from last year's team. I think when I look at them, my big question is whether or not they have a point guard who's going to be ready to, to jump in and, and play from, from day one. I, I think, you know, looking at them losing both Eric Hunter and Isaiah Thompson from that team last year it was kind of surprising that they both left. I figured once one left, the other would stay because it's, you know, they were kind of knocking each other out of the lineup a little bit. But but with both out, not now, now you're talking about Ethan Morton, who's who's not a natural point guard, in my opinion, or, or a true freshman, uh, Indiana Mr. Basketball, Braden Smith, having to step in that role from day one. That that could be challenging. So I, I think I, I wouldn't go as high as number two. I definitely have him in the top half of the league, but, but I think that's the big question mark for them. Mike, a, a, a different question for you about Indiana. We think so much about the coming season and, and who's new and who's coming back. But maybe who, who do you think is Indiana's biggest loss from last year's roster? Rob Finnessy, uh, Big Mike Durr, uh, Parker Stewart, Christian Lander. Those were the departures from last year's roster that were, uh, you know, that could have came back. Uh, your thoughts on maybe who uh, is the biggest loss there that's not returning for Indiana? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, we don't focus too much on on the guys that that left. I mean, I, I think there's aspects of the games of you know, like Parker Stewart, who you know, oh by the way, was the team's leading three point shooter at close to forty percent, and all the talk 
going into this year, if there is a shortcoming with this team, is three-point shooting. So you can't overlook that. I mean, I, Stewart had, you know, aspects of his game that, that weren't necessarily, you know, helpful for Indiana last year. But it, his three-point shooting, when it, when he got going, was was a major asset. And uh, I think that needs to be replaced for sure. And then, and then you think about Rob Fennessy, the other thing about the team last year, you know, that clicked late was, was its defense. And, and he was a part of that, you know, he didn't start, but oftentimes at key moments in games, he was on the floor because, you know, along with Xavier Johnson and Trey Galloway and others, they were part of a, a defense that, that really, you know, ran the show for Indiana and pulled out some big ones, especially in the Big Ten tournament. So I, I definitely think, you know, they're going to have to replace Tennessee's defense on the perimeter for sure. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think any of those guys are irreplaceable because there's aspects of their games that, you know, didn't always go the best way either. I tell you what, going back to Rothstein's projected starting lineup, he's got Xavier Johnson, Jalen Hutchifino, Miller Cop, Race Thompson, and Trace, as I mentioned earlier. One name that I'm curious that's not in that starting lineup is Jordan Geronimo. Is there a legitimate chance because of who's back and who's new that he doesn't start based on all the potential that we've seen? He just seems like somebody that is just ripe to contribute in a big way uh, with his athleticism in the Big Ten Conference. Is there really a chance you think he doesn't start, at least at first, for this Indiana team? Yeah, I think there's a pretty good good chance that he doesn't start and it's only because he's got a knockout race thompson who's a multi-year starter at the four and i and i really think although there's been talk about geronimo transitioning out to the three i i don't see him being quite ready for that this year i think ultimately as his career progresses don't forget you know he's got three years of college basketball left if he if he wants to use it all um so this isn't like you know, an overnight thing that he has to accomplish to, to move his game out to the wing. But I, I don't see him just being a natural, you know, from day one in November as a three at the high major college basketball level. So um, because of those two factors, because he's got to push out race and because he may not quite be really ready at the three, I, I think he's going to be more of a guy like first off the bench, first group off the bench, you know, definitely – major role, probably more minutes per game than, than he's ever played. But I still think it's a process, and I really still think it's looking out to next year before he really cracks the, the full-time rotation or starting lineup. And, and maybe at that point, he has developed into a, a full-fledged three, which would be great for Indiana and, and also for him, I think, because that's where his game needs to be when he thinks about going to the next level. I know if you're Mike Woodson or, or really any college coach, you can't coach this way. But Geronimo being maybe a year away, uh, in your words, you do wonder with as close as he's been or flirted with the transfer portal initially upon Woodson's arrival. He just seems like a guy that you don't want to let get away. I I don't know. There just seems to be potential there. I just like what I see. I know it's only come in flashes so far, but, boy, there have been some good flashes by him. Uh, I just think he's a guy you don't want to see get away somehow, and I know you can't play him just to play him and hope to keep him in there if that's not what is best for this year's team and rotation. But I think the future can be bright for him in college basketball. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I think when people like Rothstein put Indiana at that top spot, they're, they're thinking about, you know, Indiana's depth, you know, having like a Geronimo 
and, and a whole lot of other, like a Malik Renault off the bench. I mean, when I go team by team through the Big Ten, I, I don't see anybody like that. And that's what really separates Indiana for me is their depth. And so I think, you know, it's a tricky situation that, that, that you get into when you have so much depth in that, you know, those guys coming off the bench, they obviously want to start too. And that, and that's the challenge that it becomes, as you allude to, is keeping people happy and making sure that they, you know, have a long-term vision for, for what their role is going to be. And so you hope that, you know, like I said, Geronimo's minutes keep ticking up. He plays more than he did last year and that he's comfortable that next year, when the front court really, you know, Trace and Race should both be gone next year, uh, and and Miller Cop as well. Things are really going to open up for him, and so that that's what you hope that he sees. But you know, it, it's a brave new world in college basketball. Apparently, we're heading towards you know you can transfer anytime you want. You know, not just a one time deal. So uh, it's it's always going to be that that that. Uh, give and take with you know finding guys that you know can buy into a long-term vision like that all right mike schumann of the daily hoosier my guest mike one other topic i want to bring up is big 10 tv rights there was a story yesterday from the sports business journal that basically uh reported it looks like espn if things go as as planned down the path it's currently going that ESPN won't have a connection to the Big Ten as far as television rights. And, boy, that brings up so many questions about so many different things, not just programming, but the ACC Big Ten Challenge and so many other things that that ESPN has been involved in in the background putting together and organizing because they have the the ability to do so with television rights. But uh, Fox and CBS and NBC – uh, could very likely be the home, in addition to the Big Ten Network, the national home uh, homes, I should say, of the Big Ten Conference. That that does seem like a pretty impressive network slate for the Big Ten Conference if this all uh, comes to fruition. Yeah, and I, I think you're just starting to see the uh, kind of the behind the scenes what what you know led to UCLA and USC. Coming on board, it, it's kind of building to this point where, you know, getting them on board led to a much larger potential TV deal. And it does, as you say, you know, appear to be bringing about a, a lot of different networks and, all, and a lot of change. Um, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, I know folks like you and I like to talk about it. I think fans, for the most part, they just want to know what channel they need to turn on. But but it will change things that, that we all like. I, I don't know if the... The Ken ACC challenge will go away. I don't think anyone knows that, but you're you're absolutely right that that was a kind of a byproduct of of being with ESPN for so long. And you know, when when things like this change, you know, things that we've come to know over the years change as well. So I'm I'm sure there'll be things that that we like that go away, new traditions that that come about here in the coming years. But uh, the I, I'm interested to see what the ultimate headline number of this deal is. And, you know, if Indiana is one of the the schools that gets a major windfall, like everybody in the Big Ten should be, you know, what that means down the road from things like facilities upgrades and things of that nature. Because I think ultimately that's what what this is all about, is these schools are kind of pooling together their, their brands, their resources, getting these big deals and then positioning themselves for the the rewards that come with that. So it'll, it'll be interesting over the next five to 10 years from my standpoint to see what Indiana does with the money when they get it.
I tell you what, transfer portal, NIL, super conferences, UCLA going here, Texas going there, big TV changes and deals. It's just an unbelievable uh, changing time in college sports. I think that we'll look back on on this, I don't know, two, three, four-year, five-year period, whatever it ends up being, and, and think, wow, look at how the NCAA and the Big Ten and so many things around the things we love, college football and basketball, have changed. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I, I remember being like skeptical and not real thrilled about like Penn State joining back, you know, whenever they did 30 years ago or 25 years ago, whenever that was. Um, I think it's just, you know, part of, part of the process. Like I remember somebody asking me a long time ago, why, why does the Big Ten even exist? And it, you know, if it was formed because schools wanted to, you know, make scheduling a little bit easier, have a common set of rules. It's always just, schools banding together for for common interests and now the common interests you know with travel being easier with tv being so important are are a little bit different than they were before and so fans just need to to kind of buckle up and get used to the change because it's definitely coming Absolutely. Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier. I got to get a football question in for you. Uh, Mike, you've had a lot of football preview content uh, on your website, and one of the recent stories took a look at all the different position groups uh, and maybe which will be the strongest for Indiana. Uh, you can read the full story at the dailyhoosier.com, but what are your top few position groups for this team as you've seen so far? I mean, definitely the, the top two, in my opinion, are the, the defensive back positions, cornerback and safety. There's, there's just so much experience and specifically a cornerback, um, not, not just experience, but what I would call high end talent. I mean, everybody knows about Taiwan mole and, you know, first team all American by some accounts a couple of years ago, back fully healthy. Watched him at, at fall camp the last couple of weeks. He, he looks completely back to himself and I expect big things from him. And then on the other side is Jalen Williams, who's been first team all Big Ten and himself in the past. And I think, you know, just having a duo like that on the edge really, if, if they're right, uh, it really allows Indiana to, to do a lot of things defensively, you know, take a lot of risks, putting them kind of out on an island one-on-one and bringing a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So I think that's a real key and something IU fans should be excited about. They've also got, you know, three five-year players at the safety and Husky positions that will be starting in Devon Matthews, Bryant Fitzgerald, and Noah Pierre. So just a ton of experience in the defensive backfield. And if they can kind of re reformulate what they had in, in 2020 with, you know, generating all those interceptions, that, that could completely – change the the direction of the program just from from those guys specifically and then on the other end of the rankings you just can't look past the offensive line i mean it was a disaster last year not a lot has changed from a you know faces and names perspective and and that's the group that can make or break the season if they they make strides um I, i think you know this again it could clearly be a team that could generate six wins but if they continue to allow the quarterback to be under pressure constantly, they don't generate holes in the running game, that could set a lot of things back. All right, good stuff from Mike Schumann, thedailyhoosier.com, at daily underscore Hoosier on Twitter. Mike, thank you. I know it's a, excuse me, a busy time, and we're glad to have you with us here on Tuesday to talk a little hoops and a little football. 
Thanks, Matt. Always enjoy it. All right, we'll head to a commercial break. Come back with our final segment of the day and our high school football preview. We'll continue with David Pappenhouse of Silver Creek. We'll take a look at the Dragons for this year who opened the season a week from Friday night with a big rivalry game, uh, the Battle of 403, the Battle of Highway 403. Should be a good one, a big way to kick off the season, and Coach Pappenhaus of Silver Creek is next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. We're so close to the start of high school football. Everything gets underway one week from Friday night. Of course, this Friday night, most teams will have scrimmages against other teams to put a final test on things before they open up the regular season a week from Friday. And we continue previewing local high school football. David Pappenhouse, the head coach of Silver Creek, my guest in this segment. Coach, uh, fourth year at Silver Creek. You've had a lot of success there so far. I know that the draft look to stay very competitive this season, but you'll have to do so with a lot of new faces after graduating some really big names in Southern Indiana football here over the last few seasons. Yeah, we uh, we are definitely uh, have a whole new cast and crew this year, uh, you know, which is exciting. Um, you know, we, we lost a, a really good group of kids last year. Um, you know, obviously, we, anytime you lose a kid that the caliber of Trey Shane that, uh, you know, you're really going to have to make some changes and, and, you know, look at, look inward and, and see where we can, uh, improve and how we can do some things a little differently and, and kind of make up for that production, uh, that graduation took from you. So, um, you know, we're excited that we have a lot of, lot of new kids that, uh, you know, have shown a lot of promise so far, had great off seasons. We had a really good, uh, off season in the weight room. And that carried over, and we, you know, we had a pretty productive summer. Uh, we tried to not do a ton in the summertime, but uh, you know, the the few competitive events that we did in the summertime, we uh, we were happy with the way that that came out. Coach Pappenhouse is my guest coach. In four years for you, you have a record of twenty-two and seven. That's pretty doggone good. And last season, Silver Creek, uh, it was their fifth winning football season in a row. So I know you guys have had goals to take a step forward each year. Winning a Mid-Southern Conference championship recently I know was a big deal as well. And uh, a lot of success as you need to replace guys, you hope uh, kind of breeds the next generation of Dragons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we we have been pretty successful, you know, not where we want to be by any stretch of the imagination. But, uh, you know, I, I think that we have – you know, when I came in, we talked about establishing the standard. And, uh, you know, I'm really proud of, of each year it seems like the, that senior group, uh, you know, understands that, you know, we don't have rules. We don't have um, this and that so much that, you know, hey, be here at this time or, or whatever. You know, it's just a, a certain way that we're going to do things. And, uh, you know, it's, everybody does the same things. Um, you know, nobody does anything different. We just want to do things 
the same things that everybody else does in a different way. And, you know, really put, you know, really have a high bar set for the expectations that the kids have for one another. You know, every year we tell them it's their team. And, uh, you know, we'll be as successful as they want us to be. And uh, if they're going to put in the work and do all the little things that they need to do to be successful, then we're going to have a really good year. David, um, go ahead, Coach. Oh, sorry about that. You know, it's not like we're just going to give them a big rah-rah speech and all of a sudden we're going to be good. Um, you know, those guys have done all the little things all winter long and uh, to make themselves successful. David Pappenhaus, the coach of Silver Creek, my guest. Coach, let's talk a little bit about your schedule. First off, and I know we've had this come up in previous interviews and previous seasons, but I love the opening game against Charlestown. It's billed as the Battle of 403. It's a conference game right out of the gate. It's a rivalry game right out of the gate. It's one that brings the communities out. It brings the students out. And it's really a, kind of become the area's showcase on that week one Friday night to start high school football in our area. Over the years, we've lost some big openers like New Albany, Providence, and others that come to mind. But Silver Creek and Charlestown has really taken on a life of its own. Yeah, it, it really is. It's it's a it's a fun event. It's really pretty special. I mean, you know, the crowds are, are uh, you know ridiculous. You know, at both places. You know, I've I've participated in the game from on both sides, both. Of, an assistant at Charlestown, and then, and then here, and you know, so both places packed packed the stands for week one, and uh, you know they they've been really good games over the years, uh, you know, and and it is it, it's a great way to start the season, and you know it definitely gives you something to work for all summer long. Coach, uh, also I should note uh, some new additions here uh, in the last year or so on your schedule. The Floyd Central game, you'll you'll play the Highlanders on September 2nd. Also, you'll travel to Jeffersonville on September 23rd. Outside of the always competitive Mid-Southern Conference, those are two really big pickups, not just challenges and bigger schools uh, for your uh, team to go against, but I think those have the ability to become area games and rivalry games given the closeness and the connections between the schools. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I felt like that was something pretty early on that I wanted to uh, kind of fix up is, is, you know, just beef up the schedule, um, get some bigger schools. Um, you know, with our sectional, it's, it's pretty much a meat grinder. Uh, you know, when we had Mooresville and, and East Central in there every year and, uh, you know, well-established programs that, that are, you know, top tier in the state. And uh, we wanted to pick up some, some bigger schools um, to really give us some challenges and, and be a meter stick to see where we are in the season. And, you know, having those guys both very close, short bus rides, um, you know, it, to me, it was a no-brainer that they just it just worked out that way that, uh, you know, they both happened to have a corresponding week open, and we jumped all over it as as quickly as we could. Uh, <laughs> kind of funny story that the, when Clarksville uh, decided that they were pulling out of the Mid-Southern Conference, we were actually playing Clarksville in basketball that night, and uh, their AD told uh, John Dablo uh, before the game that, you know, that we were about to be dropped in football and to start looking. Um, and I called Coach Parker at Jeff, and I think we had it worked out before halftime that uh, we would be rolling week six uh, the following season. So it's kind of cool how that worked out.
Yeah, neat, neat insight there. And I think good matchups for this year and for the future of high school football in our area. Talking with David Pappenhouse, the coach of Silver Creek. Coach, I know you mentioned Trey Shane, and there's some other big names from last year's team that come to mind that you lost to graduation. So flip that a little bit and tell us about some of the big names over the summer and so far in practice since school's been back in session that you think will be standouts for the Dragons this year as you guys look to continue on with your path of success. Yeah, we're excited about, you know, a lot of kids. I think I think that, uh, you know, I don't know that we're going to have one, you know, standout like we had in, in Trey last year where a majority of the offense went through him. Uh, I think it'll be spread around a lot more. But uh, we're excited about Caden Oliver, quarterback. Uh, he, he's really came in and, and uh, you know, done a great job as far as, you know, coming from a, from a different school and learning a different system and, and all new kids you know, routines and all that stuff. He's kind of jumped in, and you wouldn't really know that he's new. Uh, I, I think he earned the respect of his teammates pretty early, and uh, that that's, uh, you know, been critical. Uh, somebody that we've had for a while that, you know, had Donovan Mosley's a kid that uh, tore his ACL the Wednesday of the Charlestown game last week, or last year, and uh, – He's worked his tail off all winter to, to uh, rehab and, and get back to healthy. And uh, we're excited for Donovan. He's going to be a big-time player for us, I think, on both sides of the ball. A um, couple of basketball guys that uh, have come out uh, in Bryce Henderson and uh, Cooper Murley. We're excited for those guys, um, you know, realistically on both sides of the ball. Um, up front, we have Sam Gehring, who um, – his, he'll be a three-year starter for us now, and he's just going to be a junior. He's played just about every snap that we've played the last two seasons. Um, and then Walker Hoffman being a year older uh, at left tackle, um, you know, 6'5", 260-pounder. Um, we're pretty pretty excited about Walker this year. Um, you know, uh, let's see. We've got Eli Newman uh, back at Noseman. He, he – uh, He's going to have a good year for us. Had a great year in the weight room. Lost a lot of weight. Uh, ran track this year. Did shot put in discus and, and uh, really improved throughout the uh, track season with his shot and disc stuff. And you know he's really transformed his body and looks good and, and is moving really well right now. So we're excited about Eli as well. All right, good stuff from Coach Pappenhouse at Silver Creek. Coach, look forward to continuing our conversation next Monday night, our kickoff program, and we'll hear from you and a couple of those key players, I'm sure, and appreciate the time today. Thank you, as always, and thank you for all you do for uh, high school sports in the area. Well, I appreciate that very much. Coach Pappenhouse of Silver Creek uh, entering year number four. Had a lot of success there in Sellersburg uh, with the Silver Creek football program, and uh, we wish him and the Dragons the very best of luck uh, this upcoming season. Also, uh, someone just sent this uh, along to me. ESPN has now pulled out of the Big Ten media rights negotiations, according to Sports Business Journal. ESPN turned down uh, a final offer of seven years, $380 million uh, 
uh, per year package. Uh, unbelievable. So ESPN and the Big Ten, it, it looks like no more, which means uh, the Big Ten headed to, in addition to Fox, also CBS and NBC. So it sounds like that agreement, that deal is on its way and could be announced formally uh, very soon. And that means big money for the Big Ten Conference and also some big national networks behind things as well, uh, beginning very soon for Big Ten football and, of course, basketball as well. That's going to wrap up our Tuesday program. Thank you so much for being with us. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. If you missed the show or you want to go back and hear an interview, you can always find us as a podcast. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll find us there. We'll talk with you Wednesday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.